Welcome to KJV Cafe, where the truths of God's Word come alive. Grab a hot cup of coffee or tea and spend some time learning about our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Listen now to Pastor Clark Covington of Heartland Community Baptist Church as he explores great insights from the Word of God. True freedom. What does true freedom mean to you? Why is freedom such a hot topic right now here in political season? Think about how freedom is traditionally thought about in our country. I mean, think about what the candidates are saying, what your friends might be saying right now, what you may be thinking about this idea of freedom. You know, the idea uh, as Americans, we are free. Uh, What does that mean? That means we're free to do what we want. We're free to own our own land. We're free to pursue a career or own a business. Uh, Free from what or who? Maybe from a, a master or from government, a person, a sect or a group. We're free to pursue happiness. Freedom is the exact opposite of communism or socialism, where there is a regimented control over the people. But what we know and expect when it comes to freedom is so different than what the Bible actually says about true freedom. What is the truth about freedom from the word of truth? If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 22. 1 Corinthians 7, 22. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. I'll read that one more time, 1 Corinthians 7.22. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise, also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Wow. So we've got uh, what looks like a contradiction. But yet it's not. There are no contradictions in the Bible, only truth. Amen. And uh, the first thing I want you to see from this text verse is that the saved are free in Christ. Uh, For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. The saved are free in Christ. Why can't the saved be free otherwise? Why must they be free in the Lord, free in Christ? Well, because of sin. We can't set ourselves free from sin. If you understand sin and the sin curse and the penalty of sin, you understand that's not something we can free ourselves from. Why? Because the sin debt is too great for man to pay. Now, when did sin enter the world? It entered the world at the beginning of time there uh, when the devil was kicked out of heaven um, for wanting to be like God Almighty and uh, beguiled Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden uh, to trick them to eat of the forbidden fruit. And then sin entered man. And ever since then, every man and woman born uh, has a sin nature, also referred to as the flesh, right? Has a carnal nature, a sinful nature about them. And as uh, sin entered the world uh, through the devil and through the death of the perfect man through eating the forbidden fruit, uh, sin exited Uh, the world for the saved through the death of Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus Christ alone paid our sin debt. John 8, 36. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So what we see here, when I mentioned true freedom, and when I see here, we look at freedom in America, freedom in our country, 
We look at the idea that we can do that on our own. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about it being Americans, the pursuit of happiness, as in we're able to pursue on our own. We're able to have freedom on our own. But we see, biblically speaking, we are not free on our own. We are saved and we are free by Jesus Christ alone. John 8, 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. So true freedom comes from Jesus alone. And you may ask, well, freedom from what? Well, as I mentioned, freedom from sin. Our sin debt is paid by Christ dying on the cross and God laying our sin on him. So we all had sin in our lives uh, and have sin to this day, but we all definitely had sin uh, at the time of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. And what happened is when he took on, he basically put on our sinful shoes and he was sinless, God in the flesh, put on our sinful shoes. He then died for our sins. He took upon the sins of the world, past, present, and future, drank of that bitter cup of sin, died on the cross, and then he was buried for three days and resurrected, amen, resurrected by God. That's God's stamp of approval. That's God saying, I am God and I've resurrected him. Look at all the other deities people worship in the world today. Have they been resurrected? No. God raised Jesus from the grave and in raising Jesus from the grave, all the sin debt of mankind was paid. Amen. All the sin debt was paid. And so our sins, when we believe on Jesus, and we have to believe on him. That's that free gift of salvation. Once we believe on Jesus, our sin debt's paid. Amen. It's gone. We will never be responsible for that sin debt again in front of, uh, on the judgment seat, front of the Lord, because it's been paid by Jesus. To look at this idea that we could then sin and lose our salvation, that would be saying that essentially Jesus would have to go back and die on the cross again. Uh, he, he died once to save all mankind for all time. Amen. So our sin debt is paid by Christ dying on the cross. We're also saved and set free from death and hell. We inherit eternal life when we accept him as Savior and Lord. So to have our sin debt paid, something we couldn't do on our own, that's why God had to send perfect Jesus into humanity, born of a woman yet fully God, fully man and fully God, to die on the cross because he was sinless. And so when he took upon all our sin, he paid that sin debt, dying on the cross for us, raised and resurrected, walked the earth 40 days and 40 nights, ascended up into heaven. Is it at the right hand of the Father? Amen. And so our sin debt is paid by Jesus Christ alone, and we are now saved from death and hell. We inherit eternal life, and we accept him as Savior and Lord. Uh, the Bible says our names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, never to be blotted out, never to be erased. So what we call this in uh, preacher terms is eternal security, once saved, always saved. Again, uh, the Bible doesn't say that God can, uh, you know, will keep you, in his, keep you in his hand and let no man pluck you from his hand for a given time or for a little season. No, it's for eternity. Amen. Once saved, always saved and we'll be in eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ when we pass on from this earth. So we're saved from sin, we're saved from death and hell, and we're saved from condemnation. Amen. Jesus did not come to, to condemn, but to save. It'd be very easy for God to send his only begotten son to come here and tell us all that we're big sinners and we're in big trouble and there's no way out. It'd be very easy for him to do that because we are living in sin to a holy God that cannot stand sin. Yet, he didn't come to condemn. He came to save. Amen. So we're free from sin, from death and hell, and from condemnation. Amen. When we're saved, when we're born again, when we're new in Christ, when we face Jesus at the judgment seat, we won't be looked at as sinners uh, that were 
headed for hell will be looked at as saved, as part of the royal family, as part of the royal priesthood, as the Bible puts it, will be looked at as Jesus. Amen. And we are now free to live away from the bondage of sin and free to live for Christ in this life. So the the true freedom here that comes in is we're no longer subject to the bondage. You always hear bondage of sin, bondage of sin, right? Well, what does that mean? That means that when we are living in the world before we're saved, we are under bondage. We are, we are, we are like tied up to this sin debt that we cannot free ourselves from. And this sin keeps us in perpetual distance from God. It keeps us away from the Holy God. It keeps us on a track for hell. It keeps us in a state of rebellion. It keeps us in a state of death. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. It keeps us in a state of death. If you've ever been lost, and I'm guessing you have, you know what I'm talking about. You know what it's like to be lost, to not have that hope, to be stuck in the world, to be living uh, with disappointment and living in rebellion. And if you've been saved, glorious, gloriously saved, amen, you know what's that that is like. You know how wonderful it is to be saved, amen. You know all the the mercy and grace that comes with the Holy Spirit living within you, all the peace that passes all understanding. You know you've had your prayers answered. You've, you've been walking with the Lord and you're edified and uplifted by God. So we're free from all these things. Most importantly, we're now free to live away from the bondage of sin and free to live for Christ in this life. Secondly, because we are saved, we are all servants of Christ. So as the text verse says, we are free in Christ. And then here it is in the second part of 1 Corinthians 7.22. Likewise, also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Okay, so here we have true freedom. It's not just free in Christ, free from some, free by someone that did something for us that we could never do, amen, our holy God, but also free to serve and be a servant. And uh, some of the commentaries I read on this said that the word servant implies some kind of pay or compensation and that, that a better term might be bond servant or bond slave or slave. Amen. We are slaves to Christ. Paul himself in the New Testament calls himself a prisoner of Christ. So we are saved to be servants of Christ. Let's look at Romans 6 and see what Romans 6 says here. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Verse 7, for he that is dead is free from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should, should obey in it in the lust thereof. Neither yield 
ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye, ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness? But God be thanked that if ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness." I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death." But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. What a chapter. Romans 6, telling us all about how we are to live. And getting to the crux of it, I mean, look, all of these verses in here telling us you know, that, that he died once, but that he lives now unto God, that we should live unto God because we have died to sin. We're dead to sin. Our mortal body, we're no longer the same. And we should not obey the lusts of the flesh. We shouldn't yield our members as instruments of unrighteousness. That's a great phrase. I don't think I could ever think of that, but goodness gracious, isn't that true? We shouldn't be involved in sinful things. We should be thanking God and living for God and glorifying God as true servants, as true um, lovers of Christ, ones that are looking to glorify him. Amen. Isn't that why we're here to glorify God? How can we glorify God if we've been saved and yet we're living in sin? We are to be his servant and being his servant first and foremost means we must depart from sin because he cannot do anything with us if we're living in sin. Think of the verse about how uh, a bad tree cannot bear good fruit and a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. I think about the verse about how if you're not with him, you're against him, right? How can we have one foot in and one foot out and expect God to bless, expect God to use us, expect the Holy Spirit not to be grieved, amen? We must do the Lord's work with purpose and passion because we are bought with a price. You're listening to KJV Cafe. As you learn the great truths in God's Word, we encourage you to take the verses mentioned in this episode and study them. Trusting God will open your eyes to a deeper understanding of Himself. Now here's Pastor Clark with the rest of today's message. What does it mean to be bought with a price? It means that the Bible tells us to count the cost, that you know we have to accept Jesus' free gift of salvation. Jesus didn't do this. He didn't die on the cross out of obedience to the Father's will so that we were automatically grafted in to the Holy Kingdom. No, 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 no. We are called, but we must accept it. We are, uh, we are given this free gift, but we must accept that free gift. 
And the Bible tells us to count the cost. I mean, we need to understand that when we accept Jesus' free gift of salvation, what we are doing is we are now part of the royal priesthood. We are part of the holy family, and we have now new expectations upon us. We are not to live like we used to live. We are not to act like we used to act. Uh, The old man has passed away, and the new man is now here. And so we must understand this, that we're bought with a price, and there's expectations on us as followers of Christ. Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So we're now under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. How did Jesus do this? He paid the penalty and in doing so, when we accept him, we are now his bondservant. We are now his slave. We are now his prisoner. We, just because we are saved, doesn't remove our desire to sin. That's why I'm here preaching this. I'm preaching this largely to folks that have been saved, that are listening to Christian radio or listen to us online. They know, they realize that sin still exists, that temptation is everywhere. Matter of fact, as we grow in the Lord and, and we grow in godly knowledge, we realize how much more so we are to live for Christ and how much more temptation comes our way. We must crucify the flesh daily. We must take up our cross daily. How do we do this? Well, clearly we stay close to God. We stay in his word. We stay in prayer. The Bible says to pray without ceasing. Amen. We should be constantly praying, constantly seeking the Lord's will in our lives. We must stay in God's word. This is an important reason why to continue to attend church or continue to listen to Christian radio programs like this or to continue to study Uh, in God's word or take Bible classes and to continue to actively pursue the word of God and the truth of God in every chance that we get an opportunity. Uh, You've, I'm sure, heard uh, things like the downtime, uh, you know, idle time is the devil's uh, handiwork or the, you know, all these things where you, the devil's in the details. You look at the idea that if we are not thinking about the details or if we are not thinking about what we're doing with our idle time, we're more likely to fall into temptation. We're more likely to fall into sin in this broken, wicked world. But we are to live holy. And we must live holy to properly serve God. How do we do that? It's a simple concept. This is how we do this. This is how we live holy. We fear God. 1 Peter 1, 15 through 17. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That word conversation could also mean behavior. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Verse 17. And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. So we are to fear God. And then you can start kind of tracking this back. Say, okay, I'm saved. I'm set free from sin, but now I'm to be a servant of Christ. First thing I need to do is make sure I'm staying away from sin so that I can do something good for the Lord. And then you start thinking, how can I uh, make sure that I'm conscious, sober-minded, vigilant on on all of these things? You say, oh, okay, I can fear God. And when I fear God, that's going to make me want to know him greater. It's going to make me want to serve him greater. It's going to make me want to pray more. It's going to want to make sure that I'm not grieving the Holy Spirit by my actions or by my thoughts or 
my words and so forth, even murmuring. Did you know complaining is a sin? Do you know, uh, there's a lot of sins in the Bible. Gossip is a sin. Uh, coveting is a sin. And so there are a lot of these sneaky things that are kind of part of the carnal life that we have to separate from, that we have to get away from, amen, so that we can properly serve the Lord, amen. Because we are saved and set free, then we're made servants, we must labor in the work of the Lord. So once we realize, okay, true freedom is in Christ, once we realize that true freedom actually involves us being a bond servant or slave to Christ, living for Christ, then what must we do? We must labor in the work of the Lord. What's that? We're called to live for God in mind, body, and spirit, and soul. Amen. You may look around and say, hey, this is a wicked country, a wicked area, a wicked company I work for, a wicked school I go to, whatever you see, uh, wicked TV shows, and so on and so forth. But you know what God's calling us to do? Not to worry about all those things right now, but to internally look that we are called for ourselves to, to do ourselves to live for God in mind, body, spirit, and soul. Galatians 5, 13 through 14. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. So we are not called and we're not saved and we're not uh, made new in all these things for a liberty or for an excuse to go live sinfully, but we're called to love. We're called to be charitable. We're called to glorify God. We're called to live in the spirit and do wonderful things that make people ask themselves, what does that person believe? I want to know more about that person. You know, maybe you've encountered somebody once or twice in your life that surprised you in their behavior. Uh, maybe they were very kind, or maybe they were uh, very quiet, or maybe they were very humble, or maybe they had a just a nice spirit about them, or maybe they were a hugger. Of course, before COVID, we can't hug anybody now, unfortunately, but before COVID, you could hug people. Maybe they were just a hugger and a lover. Maybe they were just self-deprecating. Maybe there's something about them that was different, and you wanted to know, who is this person? What gives this person this aura or this personality or, or this characteristic? And you dug a little bit deeper, and maybe you found that they were a believer in Christ. Maybe you found that they had a powerful testimony. And see, that's how we are to live. That's our, our part of our service to the Lord is to love others. Because when we do that, and we do that radically, you know, we don't love our neighbor by not hating our neighbor or building a smaller fence or something, but we love our neighbor by saying, hey, I'm going to cook a meal for him. Hey, I'm going to uh, go and just see how they're doing and stop by and say hi to them, or I'm going to write them a card, or uh, hey, I'm going to uh, go bring them a cup of coffee when I make one for myself, or I'm going to text them, you know, when I'm out and about to see if they need any thing from the grocery or whatever it is. When we love our neighbor on that next level, that charitable agape love, as the Bible calls it, then we are showing the love of Christ. Then uh, it says here in Galatians 5.14, all the law fulfilled in one word that thou shalt love, love, love. Oftentimes in our King James Bible, the word charity is used uh, in place of love, but it's the same concept here that Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Hey, how do you love yourself? I love myself pretty good. I never, uh, I never look at uh, say something I'd want for myself and say, oh, I can't uh, have that. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't love myself enough for that 
fleece jacket or that uh, whatever it is, new pair of tennis shoes or whatever it is. I don't. I love myself plenty. And wait a minute, here the Bible's saying I should love others in the same way. And look, you know, one way if you want to love others, one of the best, probably the best thing that you could ever do is share the gospel message with them. Now you could tell them flat out the gospel message. You could go through Romans Road. You could give your testimony as part of that. Uh, You also could give them a gospel track. Maybe they don't speak the same language as you. Uh, You could get a gospel track in their language. We recently did that for the Laotian community, which is very big here in Kings Mountain. We got Laotian gospel tracks printed up. Uh, Well, it was already printed, I guess. We just ordered them. And now the second part is we're getting them out. We're trying to get them out to the people uh, so that they could hear the gospel message through reading it. And that's how they'll believe. Amen. Uh, But however, uh, whether it's a gospel track, whether it's sharing messages like this, whether it's uh, telling people or showing people scripture, even buying them a Bible. You know, I, I give out Bibles sometimes to people and my hope and prayer is that they'll dig in there and the Holy Spirit will convict them and they'll may, maybe open up the book of John and read through uh, the book of John and understand uh, Jesus Christ really did come to save us from the sin penalty we couldn't pay on our own. And, you know, we're also called to love our neighbors, to share the gospel, but we're also called to build his church. You know, if you think we're here to glorify God, we've been saved, we've been set free. You know, the Bible, in my Bible study this morning, even I was reading in 1 Corinthians, uh, I believe it is chapter 12, about how we are all members of one body, right? We're all members, like of our bodies, you can think of eyes a member, ears a member, arms a member. We're all members of the body of Christ, and God made us each uniquely to all fulfill this one body of Christ, Jesus being the head, amen? Well, how do we do that? Well, we do that by building up his church. I know the Lord cares about his church. You know why I know the Lord cares about his church? Because it's in God's word, because the Holy Spirit shows up when there's gospel preaching, when there's Bible-based preaching, because that's where people can be saved. That's where people can, his, his folks can be edified. And yet, do we really think as servants, as, as bond servants to Christ, do we really get a hold of this idea that we should be building up his church, that we should be working in our local church? So number one, attending a local church, a local Bible-believing church, amen? And secondly, working in that church. Uh, before I was called to preach, uh, the Lord had, had, had kind of convicted me, put on my heart, for lack of a better term, uh, to be the video guy. And so I was the video guy. And guess what's really funny if you're the video guy at church? I was at a small Bible-believing church here in Kings Mountain, uh, and I was the video guy. You know what's funny about the video guy? They have to be there for everything. It's kind of like a joke you don't get for a couple years that God's saying, oh, you thought you were going to miss a service? Oh, you thought you are going to have a long weekend vacation? Surprise! You're here for every service, every revival, every concert. Well, you know what? Hey, enough Holy Spirit-led conviction— enough Holy Spirit-led preaching, enough Bible study, enough Bible, uh, enough uh, edifying singing, enough uh, Sunday school lessons, enough of these things. It convicted this old hard heart so fast and so thoroughly that I felt the call to preach. And I kept running and the Lord just kept convicting me. You're going to preach. You're going to preach. And I said, Lord, it couldn't be me. You want. And then Brother Ronnie Dale came over, a pastor at a church in Bessemer City, North Carolina, and told me he was running from the Lord and he had a stroke or a heart attack or both. I said, I don't want that. I'm going to preach. Amen. I'm going to preach. I surrendered to the Lord right there. I thank the Lord for Brother Ronnie Dale and all the pastors in my life. Uh, But you know what? 
that service to the Lord, it was a small thing. It was, I'm just going to bring my little video recorder here and I am going to record the message. And that led to a bigger thing. We are called to serve God. Amen. Who knows what he has for any of us next, but we have to take that step to be a servant to him, to understand this. Uh, when do we do this? You know, we do it all the time. Why do we do it? To glorify Jesus and his finished work on the cross for paying our sin debt at Calvary. Uh, what does all of this not involve? What should we abstain from in all of this? Things of the world, amen. I don't think I need to go deeper on that. We should abstain from the things of the world. How can you truly serve the Lord and glorify God if you got one foot in the world, if you got one foot in carnal living? You can't, amen. You have to abstain from the things of the world, keep yourself pure, and do the will of the Lord. Doesn't mean you exit the world. As Paul had mentioned in the epistles there, He, hey, you can't not be... In this, you can't be in this world and not encounter sin, and at the same time, you must abstain from it. Amen. So we abstain from it. John 8 34, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. When you sin, you are the servant of sin. The freedom of this world will pass away, as the world surely will pass away at the appointed time. So the true freedom here is only in Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I, my time is starting to run out. I guess I got a little off track there, but I think you get the idea of what true freedom is. It's recognizing this great truth that true freedom is found in God alone and that to be truly free, we must serve him. To be truly free in a way, we're not free, but we are in the best way not free because we are serving the one that knows best, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the creator of all. Last two things I want you to think about here. Number one, the principle of a freed slave comes down to obedience and submission to do the will of Christ. And number two, be content where you're at. God put you there for you to do his will. Amen. So be content where you're at. Don't try to get out of it. Don't try to get ahead of God or don't lag behind God. Just serve God where you're at. He wants you there for a reason. Amen. Continue to pray and trust him and serve him. And in due time, he will exalt you if you humble yourself. Amen. All this to say, we must continue to live and serve God and be free in Christ, but obedient to his call in our lives. I hope you enjoyed this message and I look forward to talking to you next time. Take care and God bless. Thanks for visiting the cafe today. Our goal is to inspire you with the truth and depth of God's word in a straightforward manner. Do you know Jesus? You can today. Visit kjvcafe.com to learn more about God's great plan of salvation for all of mankind. Until next time, remember, as Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 puts it, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness.